before we dive deep into the horror of Dracula 1958 from Hammer Films with my man Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, who is, in my opinion, probably the, uh, the best vampire hunter that ever was. Don't know if Dave will second that, but we're gonna we're going deep, folks, because December is for Dracula. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. And I watched the Horror of Dracula, which comes out from Hammer Studios in '58. Um, Hammer Films is kind of brilliant. It's a family-owned studio from England. Back in the '50s, they were kind of doing something pretty incredible because what they did to change up the horror genre was to add color, specifically Technicolor film. If you don't know some Technicolor, Google it, dig up some history, go to your local film archive, or go to archive.org and start to look into. Technicolor itself. Um, I've noticed, Dave, that I'm attracted to movies in Technicolor. Like, there, big time. There's something very surreal about it. Yeah. That's very unique. And it's gone. But I wonder if a digital company will ever figure out how to mimic it. They haven't well, they, figured well, they kind of have. There was a movie that so? came out two or three years ago that repl- replicated that look. Um, <laughs> it was called The Love Witch. I think it might even be on Amazon Prime. Oh, I thought, like, you, uh, I thought you were describing the technique, and you were saying the technique is called the Love Witch. <laughs> no, no, no. The movie is called the Love Witch, but oh, it okay. uh, it replicates that Technicolor kind of look. So, Hammer Films did this ingenious thing where they wanted to reinvigorate the horror genre, and at the time, most horror was in black and white, and that had showed like atmosphere, but could downplay the gorier aspects of horror, like people being able to handle blood, right? So Technicolor brings Mm. blood kind of into reality. And so they get rid of this monochrome world, and they start doing things like Curse of Frankenstein. Basically, they're they're reinvigorating all the universal horror-type monsters at the time. So they're they're taking characters from the 30s, but we're in the 50s, bringing something new and brilliant to the screen. So they play around with some some other movies like they were working with the BBC to develop something called the Quarter Mass Experiment, which I haven't seen. But some people in the U.S. might have seen it as the Creeping Unknown. I'm familiar with that title, the Creeping Unknown, but I just, I just, I think I've come across the title, but I don't think I've ever actually watched that movie. Um, well, it's hard to say because that's also an era where they made. There's a ton of movies with the creeping. Yeah, I think there's exactly, also like yeah, the Creeping yeah. Terror. Yeah, you're the, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so. Uh, they want a broader market, they're going to get into horror, but they're going to take it to a new level of appreciation and popularity, and I think it, it, it's a couple different things. It's the storytelling that they're using, the types of stories they're telling, the actors that they bring into the into the situation. It's kind of a mixed bag. Like I noticed that their main characters are these top stage British actors, right? Like they're mm-hmm. like they're like classically trained actors. They got they're they got like it's like almost applying Shakespearean level theater to horror movies, 
But then they kind of pepper the rest of the cast with these really kind of not even B movie players, just like basically, like basically cardboard cutout actors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the the, the main characters, big talent, swinging dicks, if you will. And back then, folks, the fifties, they wanted their dick swinging. Today, who knows? Because you can't even sing a Christmas song about two people falling in love anymore without pissing somebody off. So, so and oh that's, that's besides the point. Like, like that's a whole, that's a whole episode in itself. And I almost want to just like, if no radio station will play that song anymore, I'm like, okay, the podcast is going to play it every day until the end of time. But uh, I, I, I'm divulging. This has nothing to do with Hammer films or the horror of Dracula. So I guess we should really stay on point because we're trying this whole new format where we stay on point. So let's stay on point. Okay. <laughs> so they, they're going to tackle the horror of Dracula, which is ex- uh, loosely adapted from the Dracula novel. The heroes are more uh, active participants of the story, but they've changed around some of the roles. Like there's no Mina Harker. There's a Lucy still. And pretty much every other vampire hunter besides Van Helsing is kind of like, taken out of the story, except for the exception of, like, Jonathan Harker, but there's no Quincy Morris. And Arthur Homewood, as far as I can tell, is, like, the Dr. Seward, or Sweeward character from the books, but all his doctor attributes are merged, or, like, blended in with the Van Helsing character, if that makes any sense at all. Um, I guess, briefly, here's what the story is, folks. If you haven't seen this movie, you can get it for free on archive.org, but I recommend, I mean, you can also spend $3 and watch the better version on, like, Amazon Prime. You know what I mean? A fully restored, like, HD version of the movie is the, probably the way to go because they found a negative of the movie and put it back together when they were putting together the Blu-ray and all that crap. Um, so, this is the story laid out by Google. Look it up in DVD covers. It says, on a search for his missing friend, Jonathan Harker, um, the vampire hunter Van Helsing is led to Count Dracula's castle, and upon arriving, Van Helsing finds an undead Harker in Dracula's crypt and discovers that the Count's next target is Harker's alien fiance, Lucy Homeworld. Homeworld? <laughs> Homewood. With the help of her brother Arthur, Van Helsing struggles to protect Lucy and put an end to Count Dracula's parasitic reign of terror. The only supporting cast that's interesting is Michael Goh, playing Arthur, is Alfred Pennyworth from four of the Batman movies. Well, later he will go on to make the Batman movies starting in the 80s with Tim Burton and uh, Michael Keaton. Now, Carol Marsh is in a pretty famous movie. She's in Brighton Rock, and she's playing Lucy in this movie. I know what my favorite scenes are, but let's, let's back it up. And if Dave wants to introduce either Peter Cushing and his style of acting, and what he's done, and what he does, or if he wants to talk about Christopher Lee, I guess I should ask you, well, before I ask you to introduce one of the main leads, either the antagonist or the protagonist here, and depending on which side of the coin you're on, you know, Dracula could be your hero in this story, and, and maybe maybe the, maybe Van Helsing is uh, is the villain, who knows? I guess it depends on how you, you view the, the story, you know? Depends on um, who, if you like a hero or an anti-hero. Yeah, that's true, but I mean, like, some people could pick up the book of the, the novel Dracula, and they could they could say, well, even though it's it's told through all these other characters, really the sum of the book is it's Dracula's story, and other people could say, no, 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 you're going to go down the road with Harker, you're going to be on Harker's side, or X, Y, and Z, you know? Um, right. So, uh, keep me on track, Dave. <laughs> what was I asking say, you to do? Here, we'll, oh, we'll talk oh, about oh, okay. that. Are you with, are you, uh... Are you on Team Dracula, or are you on Team 
Van Helsing with this ah. movie if we're just applying the rules of this film. I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, I'll say Dracula because he's you know it's Christopher Lee. Okay. Uh, I mean no uh I mean well Peter Cushing's pretty great too but do you have the talk notes I sent over? Do you? Know I do. The little okay cool. You want to yeah. tell our binge watchers at home a little bit about uh, Christopher Lee? Well yeah Christopher Lee I mean um I think uh, well our generation if you haven't watched these movies would definitely know him from uh, God Saruman or he was <laughs> he was Saruman he was in Lord the of the Wizard, Rings yeah. Lord of the Rings. Um, but I always forget. Oh, it was Saruman. Or, well, there's Saruman, Saruman, you know, there's... Anyways, we're not oh, talking Sauron, Lord of the Rings. yeah, that's the dude that kind of takes control of his mind. But you're right, Saruman <laughs> is the wizard, and he works for Sauron. It's kind of... So I think that's like... Uh, I think that was the... I think the writer, J.R.R. Tolkien, was hinting that, hey, you know, they're, they're, they're in cahoots, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but I think that's what, like, uh, our generation are, you know, like I said, if you haven't watched these movies, we know him from, but I mean, um, you know, sir, we got to point out, sir, Christopher Frank Carandini Lee, Carandini. Uh, wow. Just Chris Lee to everybody. <laughs> we'll just call him Christopher Lee, yeah. sir, Christopher Lee, yeah. uh, cause he was knighted back in 2009 for his service to drama and charity. There you go. Uh, but, you know, of course, he was an English actor. Uh, he was actually – what I found out, I didn't know from before these notes, was he was a, a military officer and even an author. Um, and he like he acted for like 80 years. He was well-known for portraying villains and became best known for his role as Count Dracula, actually starting these movies. Uh, of course, these were a sequence of Hammer horror films. Uh, typecasting situation, he kind of lamented. But, you know, hey, that's what people know him for. Uh, you know, of course, he's also been in other things such as uh, the James Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun, as Francisco Scaramanga. <laughs> I didn't watch those movies. Uh, of course, like I said, Saruman in Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogy, Count Dooku in the, uh, yeah, the I was prequels. Say, I think a lot of people probably know him as uh, the Sith Lord Dooku from um, Star Wars prequels. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, those are both in those era. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's a badass, though. I mean, how he was, uh, I think, like, a couple years before he died, he met, he did a death metal album. <laughs> so <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I get, you... like, yeah. I mean, I do, okay, I do like, Christopher Lee's Dracula is pretty unique. I do like his portrayal of Dracula. Like and you'll be on board. I mean, they make they make a handful of sequels, you know. Um, I was reading like later on the later sequels don't include like that. He's in like I think there's seven of these movies and he's in like five of them, hmm. um, something like that. And how they bring him back every time it's actually kind of unique and interesting. That's why I think it's going to be cool to like unwrap these films because I mean, also okay, it's Dracula, guys. You know the story at the end. You're, it's pre, you come to the conclusion that Van Helsing is obviously going to take out Dracula somehow. And then it's like, well, how do you bring him back? And it's it's not just like the franchise killer movies that were deal with in like the 80s and 90s. Like the ways that he comes back are pretty like pretty legit with with the supernatural rules that these movies, these Hammer films set up. Um, And there's kind of like three different parts of the story. It's like the... The third act is really the chase where he's fighting Dracula. The first act is really the mystery of what happens to Jonathan Harker. And the middle is more like uh, 
practice. It's like a it's like a police procedural almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and like I said, they're stage actors. So in the middle of this movie, they all get their speeches in. They all get to do their dramatic moments. You know what I mean? And and take it or leave it. But I definitely know like what my favorite scenes are. You know what I mean? And like what I thought like if they made another Dracula like this, like which elements you would pluck from this and. I'll probably credit the director, Terrence uh, Fisher, who worked with uh, Hammer Films on a lot of different projects. And he, like, sets up some of these scenarios, like, almost perfectly. And then, like I said, maybe there's maybe, it, maybe there's some fluff with the actors. Each one gets a speech, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or two. Um, Arthur Holmwood, who's played by Maka Go. It's very eccentric in the movie, and he's kind of he's kind of off color as like a sidekick, and so you, like I said, like a lot of the other characters, you can just they're cut and paste. You know what I mean? Or like, I don't even care when some of them start to get killed, actually, which is kind of that's the that's that's the one negative I I think maybe is it, it doesn't really have a very big body count, but you'd want to you want to care enough of, to be involved in the characters. So that's one deficit of this movie is. You're literally only watching the conflict between Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, right? And that's I'm, I don't know. That's kind of all that movie. This movie really needed, I felt. Um, and and Peter Cushing can st- he's got legs too, man. Um, you know he's uh, I mean he's probably best known as as Van Helsing the Vampire Killer in the, in the Hammer movies, but he he's another guy that sticks out for three decades: fifties, sixties, seventies. Um, he, he, what's funny about him and Christopher Lee, they're both in Star Wars. He plays a general. That's right. Yeah, he plays a general in the first Star Wars, who's like one of the most beloved characters. It's Grand Moff, uh, Tarkin. Um, the Grand Moff is like, they actually redid him in a prequel movie. In Rogue One, they actually, like, cropped his face into the, or like, did that de-aging movie thing or whatever they do. You know, Hmm. where they splice somebody into a movie. Um... But I guess he had to get his family's permission to do that. But like Dave was talking about, you were talking about Peter Cushing is like the host in the Tells from the Crypt movie, right? That you were talking about that came out in the seventies, right? Um, he wasn't the host, but he was a he one was of the a guys, character in one, one of the, the stories. Okay, yeah. So um, I mean, and he's he's also in like the original House on Haunted Hill, I think. Uh, he's in he's in like basically Peter Vincent is synonymous with horror movies for three decades. Like that's his whole thing. Um, right. And he's more famous than I'm that I'm alluding to, folks. So, but again, like I wanted to focus specifically on this movie, so I don't want to go really on a tangent about my love for Peter Cushing or what he means to the um, the industry, you know, as a hero in horror movies, you know. Um, right. Well, I mean, go look him up. I mean, he's yeah, exactly. he's a he's a well known actor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, should we talk about how we feel about the story, and then talk about what the critics said and what the audience said in the fifties? Like, should yeah. we talk about like um, how we feel? I guess. Well, uh, I'll I'll let you start. I mean, I can. I think I have a feeling where you're at with it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I guess my review is mostly positive. Like, I like how it just opens and goes right into Dracula's crypt. It's kind of ridiculous that it actually says Dracula on the crypt. That's mm. not the family's name. Like, okay, the legend of Dracula and the myth that went into Bram Stoker's novel was based on a real dude, but he's a uh, it's the Tepish family from Wallachia. Um, yeah, I think it's called Wallachia. Well, Wallachia or what? Um, I might be pronouncing the country wrong, and I, I learned how to pronounce it correctly for many years, and 
of course, now that you're podcasting about it, I think it's called Wallachia. Anyway, it's in between, like, anyway, we're talking like 1400s, dude was a prince, he was squeezed in between two different empires, it was like Hungary versus Turkey or something, and he's in between, keeping the peace between two different empires, ransomed at one point, betrayed by his brother, considered a terrible torturer, I mean, that's where you get Vlad the Impaler and all this blood-drinking myths and peeling skin off and eating them and roasting them, all this stuff comes out about this guy. And Bram Stoker sits down in, like, the 1800s in England and writes a horror story, you know, about an immortal prince who swears off who, who or who blasphemes and, and gets cursed with immortality and, for some reason, a bunch of other supernatural abilities, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this movie opens up with we go right into the crypt and it's it's clearly labeled Dracula. So, literally, anybody that wanted to kill Dracula could just look for the coffin with his name on it and you'd be <laughs> good to is. go. <laughs> What I think is really funny is I made a Facebook video about how much blood there was on the coffin because you zoom in on the coffin and Terrence Fisher's like, let's put some blood on that shit. And then it's bleeding. There, we don't know where the blood comes from. Like, the only thing I wish is I wish I heard a lady scream. Or, like, I hope there should have been like a blood curdling scream with the blood, you know? Um, right. But you're kind of like right into the story. Then like, dope, 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 dope. Here comes Harker. He's at the castle. Okay, I like this stuff about, like, could you imagine if you took a job with a demon and you're supposed to take care of his library and the demon's obsessed with keep, like, here's the thing about immortality, like, you might actually care about your your literature because it's as old as you are, and, like, you hire this dude to come fix your books. It's not a very good, like, uh, disguise, though, or, or like, um, you know, what you, what you would call it, because Harker clearly doesn't have any skills as a librarian. And then he's got his vampire killing kit right in his suitcase. You know, right. you know what I mean? So, so, so here we are. And uh, and then there's a girl there who wants to be saved, who's clearly a pet vampire. You know, um, Dracula's brides, which has been established by another Dracula movie. I think I think the brides are in the the Bela Lugosi version. I'm pretty sure, but they're definitely they are, in the, yeah. they're definitely in the book. And um. So I don't I hate the Harker stuff except for when when Van Helsing shows up, right? And Peter Vincent is looking for Peter Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> That's how closely an homage to Peter Cushing's character, that character from that from the eighties movie is. Um I mean Peter Vincent's whole vampire killer is sculpted out of the way Peter Cushing acts in these Dracula movies. Okay, so Van Helsing shows up at a tavern, and he's inquiring about where Harker is. I like this little detective aspect and how off-putting all the locals are and how suspicious they are and how afraid of Dracula they are. I like that element. I think that's cool. Like, I would like to see a movie where a vampire disappears with somebody's friend and then, like, the guy's looking for the, the friend. Like, I was like, that could be a movie itself. Um, As long as we don't know the rules of vampires, it would be an interesting movie. And of course, you get the the typical things. You get the there's garlic all over the bar, you know. And he's like, "Hey, why do you have so much garlic?" Blah blah blah. And then the fatal error that Harker makes is like, "Why do, why doesn't he try to kill Dracula first and not the bride? Like, if he had gone straight for Dracula, he might have been successful. He made a fatal error. But of course, we wouldn't have a whole movie be over in twenty minutes, right? You know. And again, that's just these stories, folks. Sometimes they literally write. 
idiocracy into the characters. Otherwise, we don't have the plot doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> like right. we have to make these. We have to do certain things, or we can't. The story can't be told. Um, and then, of course, they they write later on like he sees a carriage with a with a coffin in it. Oh, dra- there goes Dracula! I gotta follow that carriage. <laughs> you know, like oh man. Um, and then and then my next favorite scene. Obviously, well, I'm going to talk about the chase, so maybe I'll hold off because I want to talk about the fight in the chase. So I'll turn it over to my co-star David, and he can uh, he can he can throw in his two bits here. Well, I I hate to be this guy, but I I really didn't like it that much. <laughs> um, now I di- I will say this. Uh, now I'm not saying that it's a bad movie because it's not. It's actually I'm I'm I'll I'll give you my rating later, but. Um, you know, it starts off great. I love the I love the music. Uh, it really got me into it. Um, and there's the cinematography, the Technicolor is great. Uh, the performances by Cushing and Lee are great. Um, but uh, a lot of the the secondary characters just didn't do it for me. Uh, I don't know. It it uh, there's a lot of there was a lot of drag in the middle. Uh, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The speech. The, the second yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speechifying. Yeah. So to say, there's a lot of speechifying, Um, you know, but the things that work are great. Like the, uh, the effect, some of the effects for this time are really great. The makeup effects and some of the special effects. I mean, um, you know, some of the images are not, that aren't going to leave me are, you know, the burning cross on the, uh, one of the bride's foreheads. Oh dude, that, that is incredible. That's incredible. So there's a lot to admire with the movie. Like I see it's place. I see its place in history, mm-hmm. um, and I think this might be the first official Hammer horror movie I've seen. Um, I'm well aware of its reputation, but this might be the first one I've actually watched. You know, I was reading how they did that effect. I don't know if you had a chance to read about it, but mm. they put they put wound makeup on the actor, uh-huh. and they covered the wound makeup, like the flesh tones, with wax, and then they used the, the tool or whatever to... Sh- as they pressed it harder, the wax fell off and revealed the wound. Huh. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Cool as shit. But a practical effect, no less. Obviously, at that time, they had to be really creative and do things almost realistically. Essentially, make things. But that's still why certain movies are incredible. Um, and obviously, we already talked about a shot on Technicolor, which is an amazing uh, color process for film. I'm not sure what the aspect ratio is. I don't know... Or the film stock. I don't know if it's like 35 or if there's different stocks in Technicolor. Um, but um, it's, well, I, you know Technicolor when you see it. We're talking like Wizard of Oz type stuff. You know, like you Wizard know of Oz is gone it. with the winter. Like the it looks a story. certain way. So you once you see a few of these films, you'll get the idea of like, okay, I'm watching Technicolor. That's it. You know? Um, but, uh, okay, the stuff that I have difficulty with is like, this Van Helsing is so cool... When he's fighting Dracula, he can pretend to be dead on a floor, and Dracula won't bite him because he thinks he's already dead, and Dracula only eats living victims, apparently, because Dracula backs off long enough for Van Helsing to get up, and then the chase continues. Before this, though, I guess I need to set up the whole chase. Dracula wants a new bride because they fucked up his other bride, and I'm like, where are his ser- where's his gypsy servants? Because there's Dracula... With a shovel, getting his cape dirty, trying to bury this girl in the dirt. They catch him. He's caught in the act. Dracula does not turn into a bat. He doesn't fly away. 
I was in awe of Dracula is running, like, full-on sprinting in his cape. Back into his castle, being chased by Van Helsing. And I go, holy shit, I've never seen a running Dracula before. Like, <laughs> what's happening? And then... I mean, it was badass, but also, why didn't he just fly? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so this Dracula also has no powers. He just likes to wear a cape just for the hell of it. Um, so, but I was glad he doesn't, I was glad Christopher Lee does, like, this psycho eye thing. Like, he emotes through Dracula's eyes. He doesn't pull the cape over his face like Lugosi did, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm glad they didn't continue that device, that device. Um, but for that matter, I guess they could have dropped the cape altogether. But, um, they're wrestling in the castle, and he's still chasing the vampires through the castle. And... I mean, do you like the scenario where they, they finally get into the study or whatever and he pulls the thing down and it's all sunlight and dude's over with? Like, Actually, I did like that. Okay. Um, It felt like... Yeah, it, it, uh, and again, another great effect with that, you know. Hmm. Uh, it goes back to that wax technique I was talking about. Right. Where they just peel the layers off. Like, they put layers on your face and then it's literally like... You're just... Peeling away, literally, <laughs> almost <laughs> literally peeling away. Um, so anyway, so this is the first movie to bring gothic horror into full color. It's got sexual overtones. It's considered explicit horror at the time. Of course, not by modern standards, it'd be considered mild, but unprecedented at the time. That's what people forget. It's like it was a, it was a trend setter, right? Right. Well, you know, I'll be honest. Like some of the, like I said, the effect with the uh, the cross and uh, and some of the other stuff and. You know what blood there is in there. I was quite honestly uh, ex uh, expecting it to be a little tamer in some of that department, given the the year it came out. Right, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, given if you put yourself in the frame of mind of watching a 1958 movie and then realizing what you're watching, it's like pretty graphic for its time. Well, I mean, when it comes out, it's a critical and commercial success. Uh, today, it holds an 88 percent rating with Rotten Tomatoes. It has an average of, like, on Google, it's about an 8 out of 10. Um, generally, the consensus is it's a gore for grandeur, impressive turn for Christopher Lee, and it has a typical hammer mood, but it makes aristocracy quite sexy. That's a quote that's floating around on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. But at the time, the trade reviews in, 80, um, in 58 are saying... Let's see. As produced by Anthony Hines and somber mid-Victorian backgrounds and directed by Terrence Fisher with an immense flair for the blood-curdling shot, this Technicolor nightmare should prove a real treat. The James Bernard score is monumentally sinister, and the Jack Asher photography is full of foreboding atmosphere. And then, I guess this, Aris, this Harrison... Uh, individual or organization. I'm not familiar with the Harrison reports. It must have been a big, I don't know, periodical or something in the day. Um, of all the Dracula horror pictures that were produced, this one made in Britain and photographed in Technicolor tops them all. It's shock and is the most impact. It's great to be considered as one of the best horror films ever made, or it should be, I guess, is what they're trying to imply. Um, I guess they're saying experts handled a delicate treatment of the shock value. And then, you know, um, Hammer goes on to do a whole bunch of other movies. But, of course, they're they're treating Count Dracula. Count Dracula, I guess you would say, like, this is their main stable horse, right? 
Right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they, they, yeah, I mean, they basically redid all the Universal movies for the most part. Right, right, right. Like, but with uh, the British they'll do the Mummy in 59, they'll do Curse of the Werewolf, which is, I mean, I mean, he's the Wolfman, but they probably can't use right. that actual name, and they make that in 61. I haven't seen that movie, actually. I haven't seen Curse of the Werewolf, believe it or not. I don't know what their version of, of that whole story looks like, or what it, well, I don't know anything about it, but I'd like to learn. Um, I've seen some of the Hammer films growing up. Uh, it's kind of cool to do it this way and go back and see like what a grown-up John thinks about these movies. There's a lot of, folks, there's a lot of silly stuff in this movie, kind of zany eyebrow raisers, but I had fun. <laughs> I had fun with those things, like I saw Dracula run away, trying to sh- dig a hole to bury, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I uh, I had a lot of fun. I know. I know. Dave said like, like you know, he's not really into it. <laughs> but, but well, no. But I will say it makes me um, because I've seen other. Um, even though I haven't seen other Hammer horror movies, I have seen other yeah. British horror movies from the era. You know, like that kind of fit into the mold. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of them. I just didn't care for this one. All right, I'm ready for my binge watcher rating. Three films that they can go watch. Um, binge now, War of Dracula. Binge later, The Lost Boys. Binge never, Twilight. Yes. Ah, put me on the spot. Okay. Um, hmm. Let's see. Binge. You know what? Because I watched it recently, I'm going to say binge now. Uh, interview with the vampire. Um. Binge uh, later, I'll say Horror of Dracula. Uh, and then I'll say Binge Never, um, The Little Vampire with Jonathan Lipnicki. I don't know. <laughs> wow. It's because I already threw Twilight out as a never, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, where else are you going to go from there? There's nowhere to go. <laughs> and what I got myself confused with, because like I said, Peter Vincent is based on the Van Helsing character portrayed by Peter Cushing. Peter Vincent is the vampire killer in Fright Night, which was made in the 80s by a man whose name is Tom Holland, but not the actor portraying the new Spider-Man. So that's also a movie that you can go watch. If you like vampire movies that reference the old school shit that we just binged, you can go check out Fright Night as well. Oh, awesome episode, Dave. Yeah. Always a pleasure having you. Looking forward to these holiday marathon movies that Dave and his his uh, I think Dave calls her the lady binge watcher Jenna. They've been kicking out. Hopefully they'll be posting some new episodes like that. But thanks for yeah. tuning in for December is for Dracula, and I'm gonna force Dave to go down the rabbit hole with me because I'm gonna be kicking off every single Hammer Dracula movie. The next one up I think is. Um, Let's see, is it Brides of Dracula or is it Taste of... I don't... Uh, uh, there's so many. Anyway, whatever <laughs> next will be December for Dracula. Thanks for tuning in. Good night, everybody. Later. Huh, you know what you're going to do? You're going to find out where else you can find binge watchers on the internet. It's a vast wasteland, but you know what? Let's point you in the right direction. You can go to Facebook, at binge watchers. You can find our page there. Pretty awesome, cool stuff. A little video post, some funny things there. Also, episodes, yeah, yeah. Um, you can also check us out Twitter, binge underscore wanters, and you can find my personal Instagram at realjohntma on Instagram, of course. All right, have a good night, folks. We'll see you next time.